celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Grab your animals, bring them around the radio. They like the show, too. They'll comfort you. And we're going to be talking about comfort dogs today. We'll be talking in particular about Cubby, the comfort dog. Cubby is a dog that went down to Florida after that mass school shooting. And he went oh, in to, Parkland. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he went down to comfort the kids when they returned to school. So that's pe- his sole purpose. That He's is his trained purpose. to comfort. And that's oh. not the first time he did that. He's uh, been all around the country for all kinds of things. We're going to talk to his guardian coming up in about 25 minutes or so. But before that, we're going to talk to you. And if you have a question about your pet, the best time to call is right now, one 405 8405 to talk to Dr. Debbie. If you have a grooming question, we'll put you on with Joey Volani. And at the bottom of the hour, our little animal fest includes news and a news update from Lori Brooks. What are you working on? Okay, I, I have to ask Dr. Debbie a question. Um, okay. I re- no, I remember with horses that it was one a human year was three horse years. Hmm. So what is it for dogs and cats? Because I always forget. Well, I personally kind of ascribe to that basic one to every seven. But we know in those first couple of years, they do mature faster. My example is that, you know, how many, uh, so a dog is one years of age, which would be seven years of age in humans, right? But yet right. they can already have had two litters. So how many seven-year-old children do you know that can have <laughs> babies? So those first, first couple of years, their, their aging rate is much faster than what we would call in a human year. But eventually the kind of the, the bell curve kind of catches up when they get into their senior years. Um, so, so it's about seven for dogs and cats then? Yes, but again, I'd have to plot it out. In the beginning, it's much more for those first few years, and then it tapers down to fewer years. But what I want to tell you about is is a cat that they say was missing for 14 and a half years and 72 years in cat years. So, yeah, that's a long... Can you imagine going home as a like an elderly great-great-grandparent? Wow. Um, yeah. So it's a great story, happy ending. And, of course, microchip. Microchip. Oh, another microchip story on the way. Yes. Okay, let's uh, go to the phones for your calls. Hi, Sue. Hi. This Yes, thank you for taking my call. Of course. Where are you calling from today? Uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, listening okay. to WEEU. Oh, well, thank you very much for doing that. <laughs> So, so uh, because it pays our bills, it pays our rent yes. when you do that. <laughs> but we also like when you listen. So what's going on with your animals? I have the whole team here for you. Yes, uh, we have a, a 13-week uh, golden retriever puppy, and she was one of 11 uh, pups in the litter. And uh, ever since we've had her, she literally inhales her food uh, oh, okay. at every meal. And it's uh, small chunks, like pea-sized, and uh, she is gaining weight, about a pound and a half a week. Uh, It's just that she doesn't come up for air uh, when she eats. (laughs) And I've been trying, you know, we feed her four times a day, and uh, I put a little, like, on the floor to see if she'll chew that, and she doesn't, and uh, she does have some larger, like a nugget-sized treat, and also when she had a GI upset and uh, was taking chicken and rice for a day or two, she did chew that, 
Uh, so it is, you know, it's just her food that she literally inhales and then stands there like where's more yeah. for me to eat. <laughs> sure. And what's your puppy's name? Lucy Marigold. Lucy. Oh, how fabulous. <laughs> All right. So for Miss Lucy, um, I love that you're doing four feedings a day because that's one of the very sensible things to do, smaller amounts more frequently. Um, and in this, obviously, you know, 11 puppies in the litter, it, you know, this can be a result of just competing for resources when you got right. so many pups and they have to work hard to kind of fight for their food. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not unusual. Mm-hmm. So um, the other kind of tool that I would ask you to try is going to be some specialized food bowls. There's a couple different varieties and brands out there. Okay. Um, there's actually a food bowl called the, the Break Fast Bowl. So B-R-A-K-E, not breakfast, but Break okay. Fast Bowl. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a, a like a stainless steel bowl that has like um, elevations within it, kind of like little uh, uh, pegs lifted up. And the idea is that the dog has to kind of work around the ob- objects in the food bowl, and it makes them eat their food more slowly. Okay. So that's one thing. The other thing that um, is very similar, there's other products out there. I have, for my puppy, I had um, started her off with, a, it's called a slow green feeder. And mm-hmm. it looks like um, kind of big fake pieces of grass that are quite thick. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a, an oblong thing. It's about the size of a pizza. And um, you just kind of sprinkle the kibble throughout there. And it's the same thing. They have to kind of lick kind of work around the objects to ingest their food so it it slows things down now those kind of things when you're presenting food are great the other thing you can do and i might even do this in conjunction with these kind of feeding bowls would be to do food dispensing toys um, because they make the um they make it take her some time to acquire mm-hmm. the food. So, mm-hmm. and there's a great variety of these where, you know, they're toys that have the little cutouts where you put the food in, she has mm-hmm. to shake it, she has to bat it, she may have to chew it or kind of mouth it, and then a piece of kibble will fall out. And the effort okay. that she has to put forth before that food comes out sometimes is quite substantial, depending on the design of the toy. Now, you know, okay. retrievers, they're pretty magicianal <laughs> when it comes mm-hmm. to chewing and eating things. So you just have to be cautious that she's not eating the toy. Um, but those are other great ways to kind of give her the idea that, you know, food is more than just inhaling it. You're going to have to kind of work for it a bit. Okay. So, so I would definitely uh, thank do Thank you that. for those ideas. Uh, and just one other question then. On two occasions when I did have to put her in the car uh, to travel just a short distance, and it was probably two hours after she had eaten, and she did vomit. Um, it, she was in her uh, crate in the back seat of the car, and she did vomit, and both of those times it was uh, like undigested food. Yeah, so if we plan that we're traveling and we have a pet that has tummy upset or is prone to Mm -hmm. it uh, during travel, um, it it takes a dog's stomach five hours to empty. So it's not that it wasn't undigested in a bad way. Uh, It's just her her belly was still doing its work. So um, if you anticipate that, I would just maybe faster before that kind of travel or feed her well before that five-hour period. Okay. All right. And there's always, you know, medicines we can use for motion sickness, but sometimes mm-hmm. all you got to do is just kind of limit the feeding time right before. Okay. All right. That's great. Thank you so much for answering my questions. Thank you for your call, Sue. Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani right now. Did she say that she had 11 dogs in that litter? Yeah, there were 11 puppies. That's, is that a lot? That seems like a uh, lot. No, not for a big dog. That's not unheard of. 
Yeah. But aren't there only six nipples? I mean, how does that whole <laughs> feeding time work out? <laughs> There's actually, there should be eight, I believe, on a dog. Okay. Or six, eight, yeah. So they, they figure out a way to um, rotate through. So. Is, is that why that's this where, dog, maybe the resources are so prized to him is because he has to... Well, there's that, but then there's also, you know, what they, as they get older and they remember more, you know, there's having a large bowl of food and having 10 brothers and sisters kind of pushing you out of the way. Yep. So it's more than just the mom. It's also the, you know, the whole kind of... You know, you got a lot of brothers and sisters. You got to kind of worry about them pushing you aside. Yeah, I had a lot of brothers and sisters, and we would lick the food so that they wouldn't eat it. You know, did you ever? You never did that. Am I, I, did, that. That no. did that. No, I, I, I coughed on the food. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was grosser. I don't know. It's Animal Radio, and last week we offered listeners a DNA test from DNA My Dog. We talked to the uh, the owner of the Mindy Tenenbaum. Mm-hmm. She runs this DNA testing. She says the best reason to find out the DNA of your animal besides bragging rights is that it could indicate what kind of medical future they have. Whether, exactly. If they're predisposed to any particular diseases. It's good to have this information. So we offered to give out several DNA tests and we got a bunch of calls and a bunch of messages and we've selected three. And let's go ahead and call one of them now. Who is this that we're calling? This is Debbie. Debbie. Calling Debbie to give her her DNA test. For her it's dog. A surprise. Shh, don't tell her. Hello. Hi, Debbie. Yes. This is Hal and Judy from Animal Radio. How are you? <gasps> I'm doing really well. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you wanted a DNA? You yes, want... that's what I, yes, I do. Okay, for listeners <laughs> that, that don't know, you wanted a DNA test from DNA My Dog, and we have one for you. But there's one caveat, and that is that okay. you call us and tell us what the results were. I will absolutely do that. I'm so excited. What kind of animal do you think you have right now? I think that she is a lab mixed with a German Shepherd. A lab? I really couldn't be sure. Couldn't be sure. She just looks that way, right? Have you done any? Well, yeah. she's all black, but then if you pull her fur back, you can see all of like the German Shepherd underneath it. Oh, okay. But she's a mutt, so I'd love to find out. But you'll love her no matter what she comes back as, right? <laughs> No matter what, yes. Even if she comes back as a Chihuahua Yorkie. I, I, I still have the love for her, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, well, hold on a second. We'll get all your mailing information. We'll send this out to you, and uh, you'll you'll uh, take this little cheek swab thing, and you'll rub it in, uh, what's your dog's name? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. You'll, oh, I love that. You'll, you'll rub it in Brooklyn's mouth, and hopefully it won't uh, take more than a couple of seconds. You'll send that swab off via regular snail mail, and we'll get the results back, and uh, we'll talk about them, okay? Yes. Thank you so much. Hold on for one second. Okay. Thanks so much. We're going to have Rob Jackson on. He is the CEO and top dog at Healthy Paws Pet Insurance, and he tells me that one in three pets will need urgent vet care this year. Uh-oh. I'm trying to look back. I'm thinking, yeah, probably it, yeah. it, it does happen. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out about it coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Well, this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at RedBarnInc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is John O'Hurley. You're listening to Animal Radio. And remember, most importantly, please spay or neuter.
We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. That never gets old. No, it doesn't. It is uh, Animal Radio. Judy always dances us in. To the uh, from the commercials into the the set here. That just I can't sit still. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to reach out to the Dream Team. In a few minutes, we're going to talk to Rob Jackson. He's the top dog at Healthy Paws Pet Insurance, and he's going to tell us why we needed pet insurance so so badly. And of course, as I always say, I'm one of those guys. I don't have pet insurance for my pets. I just put a little money away into my savings account. But not everybody could do that. He thinks. You should be buying his service. And why wouldn't he? <laughs> I mean, he would be a horrible CEO if he didn't want you to buy his service, right? That's right. Well, yeah. You know, I'm going to add something real quick. Okay. Because my dog Buster um, had a um, had cancer surgery. Now, this is going back a long time ago. Uh-huh. If we didn't have the insurance, it would have ended up costing us $11,000. Holy moly. Insurance covered $8,300 wow. of the 11000 Okay, mm-hmm. so... You know what, we, we were lucky, and I know what you say about putting, because I always did the same thing, well, you know, if my dogs get sick, but if you get hit with something that's that hard, and they actually saved his leg, um, was, was, was the whole thing, otherwise they were going to remove the leg, but that's why it was so expensive. Now, this is, uh, he was two years old, he's going to turn 16 in September. So, wow, you know, wow. There you go. So it, it saved good. you? It Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we would have paid it no matter what, but I, you know, I mean, it's much better coming, at, you know, come from insurance than coming out of my pocket. Damn straight. Yeah. You are the one percent, Joey. The one percent because hard to believe only one percent of us have health insurance for our pets. See, I think if I now that I know what I know, I think if I got a new pet, a, you know, a puppy or a kitten, a young pet, I would start off with insurance. Okay, well, Rob's going to come on and tell us why you need the insurance in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also, next hour, we're going to be talking to the guardian of Cubby the Comfort Dog. This little guy went out to Florida to comfort the kids that were involved with the school shooting that happened uh, in February. And I believe he's been in other places, too. We'll find out when, when we talk to his guardian coming up next hour right here on Animal Radio. What are you working on, Lori? Oh, gosh. Ladies... You're probably going to kick yourself. And and this is another reason to not wear makeup, because scientists are saying that your makeup could be really harmful to especially your dog. Hmm. I don't wear makeup. Don't look at me. I don't wear makeup. Do you put makeup on the dog? (laughs) <laughs> are you joey would advocate that yeah, yeah. A little eyeliner yeah, no, we, I, i've worked i've worked with a cosmetic company that had pet makeup so oh yes. no <laughs> yes yep you know the pet industry has become so profitable that just about everyone's trying to hop into it right now uh anyway we're gonna go to the phones in just a couple of seconds toll free at one 405 and let's go to monique hi monique how are you very good how are you good where are you today I am in Atascadero. Oh, Central California. So what's going on? I have the whole team here for you. Well, I have this fabulous cat, along with my other four, 
but he thinks he needs to pee in his water bowl. Pee oh in his my. water bowl? <laughs> and he's a perfect aim. Oh, he is. Well, <laughs> wow. Is this a small bowl he's shooting for, or is this more like a dog-sized bowl? It's a dog-sized bowl, but he okay. climbs in and pees. All right. So is he, has he always done this, or is this a new thing no, for him? No, this is a fairly new thing. And is there anything else going on, um, any other kind of issues using the litter box, any other uh, accidents he's having elsewhere in the home? No. He generally gets to go outside, and they've got a kitty window. They can come and go as they please. And when, the, okay. when there isn't food in the food bowl, when he thinks it ought to be there. He, this is when he does this, when there's no food yes. in the water in the food bowl? Oh, okay. Well, you know, this isn't, I know everyone's going, oh my God, this is so strange, but this is not unheard of. Some cats will do this. And we do see it a little bit, actually in wild cats, you know, different kinds of jungle cats, they'll actually urinate in water. And some think it's that a way that they can help to disperse their smell. Others would say it's a way that they actually would claim a resource. Um, So anytime I have a mature cat or an older cat, I will always say, you know, you need to make sure, um, see your veterinary, make sure we don't have a urinary disorder. That's always the full disclaimer on something like this. Sure. Um, if that is proven to be not a problem, then I look at that this could be um, some kind of either a marking behavior or a what we call a sub, substrate preference. Um, a little bit of difference. Um, some cats will mark to uh, show their territory. Other cats will urinate in places because they prefer the surface. So we see this in cats. If you've ever heard of cats urinating in the bathtub or the sink, um, this kind of behavior may happen on a regular basis for some cats. Other cats will only do it when they're having a urinary disorder or there's some kind of uh, discomfort. Um, so okay. that's kind of my other argument for making sure we do get this guy checked out. Um, if they're, if he's an indoor-outdoor kitty, we certainly have a lot more possibilities for the desire to mark territory, um, inner cat issues, um, different social stresses and things like that. So a couple of things. The simplest thing that I do recommend for cats that are doing this is actually to elevate the food bowl, or I'm sorry, the water bowl. Um, so you can either prop up the water bowl a little bit on some um, some boxes or some books, um, or just get one of the standing water bowls. Um, okay. It makes it far more challenging. Now, not to say it can't happen. <laughs> You could have Ain't a no very, yeah. You could have a very acrobatic cat that can still kind of perch his body up there and urinate, but it makes it a harder thing to do. So that's just one kind of quick thing to try. But then, um, you know, the other things we look at are going to be making sure that we're addressing any social issues or other intra-cat issues. So if he is going outside, is he seeing other cats? Is he doing this as a marking behavior? Um, if so, then we might look at pheromones. Um, when he is indoors, we may close the blinds. We may I encourage you to keep them indoors, not only just for marking behaviors, but his own safety, because um, that helps to decrease that kind of social stress of him going out, smelling, seeing those other cats, and then coming inside and feeling like, you know, he could have to okay. mark those territories. So, okay, well, yeah. next thing will have to be this. You'll have to teach him how to use the toilet and then to flush. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. 
This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. These days you will see canned foods, especially like canned tomatoes and more acidic foods and products like baby bottles that are labeled BPA-free. So we humans are getting less BPA since it has been studied and known to be dangerous, but scientists are studying how BPA and now BPS, closely related chemicals, affect pets. These endocrine disrupting chemicals are found in thousands of everyday products, ranging from plastic and metal food containers to detergents, also flame retardants, toys, and makeup. Experts in this area who have been doing this research say it is parabens that are used as preservatives in cosmetics and moisturizers, even shaving creams, that are causing these problems. And it could explain why dogs that live indoors have increased rates of diabetes, kidney failure, and hypothyroidism compared with those pets that live mostly outside. Both cats and dogs can ingest those dangerous parabens from their food, but urine tests show that dogs which were tested had a paraben level seven times higher than cats. Now, I'm not a mathematician or anything, but these scientists are, and they did a lot of uh, recalculating and extrapolating and stuff, and for some reason, cats are primarily exposed to parabens in their food. Isn't that uh, used for, I guess, for the lining of cans, BPAs? Exactly. Vegetables that are acidic, usually, Uh, and that's why you'll see it more often on uh, cans of tomatoes because tomatoes are acidic and it would eat through the lining Ah. of um, the cans. So now they take the BPA out and it doesn't last as long store shelf wise, but that's why it's it's also a preservative for makeup and stuff. It keeps it from getting contaminated from bacteria and stuff sooner than it would otherwise. I always want to come back in like 100 years, 200, 500 years from now and see Look at all these things that we're using these days, and they go in 500 years. Oh, my gosh, we had that, you know, plague 500 years earlier because everybody was using BPA. And- the fall of the Roman Empire due to the lead in gauntlets. <laughs> and uh, the, no, the gauntlets is like no, a, The drinking cups. Goblets, goblets. Goblets. Yes. Goblets. Close. <laughs> Lay down that goblet and the gauntlet. Finally, an orange cat named, uh, tabby cat named Thomas Jr., who was missing for 14 years, that is, um, I calculated, 72 years in cat time, has been reunited with his dad in Florida. Thomas Jr. is his name, or T2, talking about the cat. That's what they call him, T2. He went missing back in 2004 after a hurricane, and luckily, he had been implanted with a microchip just two years earlier. Now, since T2's escape, his dad had moved twice, once to Ohio, then back to Florida, but thanks to the dad's microchip information being current, up-to-date, a big key, it was very easy for the shelter to find him to return T2 14 years later. Uh, by the way, let me just throw this in. The chances of a microchip dog being found and returned to its owner increases from 25 to 50% with that microchip. For cats, only 2% of unmicrochipped cats will be returned to their owner versus 25% of cats being returned to their owner if they have a microchip. So it's a good thing. And we, and we have good news stories every week 
about pets that are reunited with owners because of microchips. Chip them, chip them, chip them. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And we will go back to the phones for your calls at 1-866-405-8405 coming up in just a couple of minutes. You can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And uh, when students and teachers return to uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida after the uh, tragic Valentine's Day shooting, I was unaware that that happened on Valentine's Day. Yes, it was. It left 17 kids dead. Wow. It was a horrible tragedy. So when the kids returned, a team of golden retrievers were there to offer comfort and hope. And one of those dogs was Cubby. Cubby is from Fort Collins, and uh, his guardian, Bonnie Fear, is joining us right now. Hi, Bonnie. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you. Tell us about your dog. First of all, Cubby does have a boy's name, and she is a girl dog. Okay, I I stand corrected. (laughs) (laughs) Boom, right off the bat. Um, She was actually named after a military dog that served our country in the Air Force, and her whole litter was named after... um, a fleet of military dogs. So hence the name Cubby. And she's one of 30 dogs that visited this school. Is that correct? Yes. How did the kids react? Smiles. Um, Just if you looked in their eyes when they saw the dogs, you just could tell they were happy and just released that insecurity or um, that uncertainty of returning to, to school two weeks after the shooting. Now, there are a lot of therapy dogs that do a variety of things. They go to hospitals and visit ch- sick children. Now, these dogs, are they trained just for these this type of a specific tragedy, or do they do a variety of comforting for different situations? Well, there's actually two distinctions. So the therapy dog is a pet. It's someone's pet that they want to take out and serve a purpose. So they do the training. Um, they can do local training for the therapy dog. Our dogs are actually comfort dogs, which means they're highly trained working dogs. They are trained in Northbrook, Illinois. They are bred in Northbrook, Illinois, and they are all golden retrievers. So they receive about 2,000 or more hours of training specifically to remain calm in crisis or disaster situations. So Cubby Uh, When we fly her on the plane, if you don't see her get on the plane, you don't know she's on the plane. So they're they're trained to be quiet and just bring that comfort and hope to people who are hurting. And Cubby's part of a whole gang of comfort dogs from the Lutheran Church Charities Canine Comfort Dogs. Correct. So what what does Cubby think of the whole thing? Does she love this job? I'm sorry. Does she love this job? (laughs) She does. And there's there's two aspects to her job. And one is when, and this is for all, the, I'm speaking speaking for all the dogs, when the vest is on, they know they're working and they're trained that way. So as eight weeks old as a puppy, they're trained in their vests. But I think the best part for all the dogs is when the vest comes off, they get a command called go play. 
and they love that command. They get to be a dog. They're not working. They could play with their balls or their toys or other dogs. We, we actually so, do that here at the end of the show. We just say, go play. So go ahead. I do that as well. As humans, we do need to remember to do that as well for our own sanity. So is she someone's pet as well? No. She is actually owned by Redeemer Lutheran Church in Fort Collins, which means they um, sponsor the dog by volunteers. So our team right now has 24 volunteers. Ten of those are handlers. About ten of those are what we call paw partners, which help the handlers when we take Cubby out into the community. And then we have people who pray specifically for our dog and our team, and we have a scheduler. Cubby actually has a schedule. Um, She has 11 places in the community when she's not deployed that she does um, visit weekly. So we have to have that intact with the timing and make sure we have handlers that can bring her to those to those visits. What made a church get uh, become interested in in sponsoring dogs? It just seems an unusual avenue. (laughs) Well, Lutheran Church Charities actually um, out of Northbrook. Right now, we are Lutheran Church, Missouri Synods right now are the only churches who can actually purchase the dog. So they started in 2008, and we've grown from four dogs to over 100, 130 dogs. So the churches, um, we found out three years ago, our church, by a comfort dog actually coming out to Fort Collins, and we're like, hmm. And we saw what that dog did. We thought, well, how do we get involved? So Lutheran Church Charities has a program from start training the dog till they pass, called passing of the vest, um, to the church, who then officially gets the dog after it's fully trained. So why always golden retrievers? It's it's the best breed. I feel that um, Lutheran Church Charities feels has the demeanor and the... um, easy if you will to train the dogs because they're so calm and um, just receptive to people they love people well, most dogs do <laughs> uh, but the golden retriever is just probably easier to train because they're so mellow and and just catch on very quickly where can we go to learn a little more about cubby um, she has her own Facebook page okay so each dog okay. has their own Facebook page and a Bible verse so just go to Facebook um, and it's cubby comfort dog she also has Instagram, um, Cubby Comfort Dog, and then Lutheran Church Charities if you want to check out all the other dogs and the puppies in training that are awesome to watch. Well, but links, all the links that uh, Bonnie just mentioned over at AnimalRadio.pet. Bonnie, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Go give Cubby thank a you. big old hug from all of us, will you? Yeah. Well, I will. Thank you very much. <laughs> at Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Visit RedBarnInc.com to save a dollar on Red Barn grain-free canned food. Well, Dr. Debbie, you know in my spare time I do a lot of blog reading. Oh, yes, because that's where you get quality information, right? Yes. (laughs) 
I was on the Daily Vet, which this is a blog uh, I believe published under Pet MD, which I believe is published under WebMD, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. And yeah. there's a there's a veterinarian on here that is anonymous. She won't tell me her name, or he won't tell me her name. She is nowhere in the article her name because she's she's confessing confessing to things that she accidentally did during her practice. Uh-oh. I wanted to ask you, Doctor Debbie, if any of these <laughs> things have ever happened. And by the way, I will repeat, I trust Dr. Debbie implicitly yeah. with our animals. She is the best vet well, I Wait know. a minute. She can't do this anonymously now. No, she can't. Well, no. Hey, but, I have no problem answering this because, you know, as anybody in a major town knows, when you go to the veterinarian, you're not just seeing the veterinarian. There are many other hands that touch your pet and that have contact points along the way. Sure, sure. So maybe in a small town, a veterinarian is the only one handling your pet. But, you know, I um, have staff members that do a lot of these routines tasks that this doctor has said, um, you know, has had a problem with. Um, so sometimes the, the little oopses that you forget things, um, it's because there's a staff member that it's their job to make sure, you know, all bandages are removed, all IVs are removed. And if that hasn't happened, ultimately it falls on my back sure. as the, you know, the veterinarian. But, you know, I don't do each and one of, every one of these tasks. So yeah, sometimes these kind of things happen. Um, it's unfortunate, you know, but we try everything by having protocols that these won't happen. And we do what we can to prevent it. Okay, so this first one is forgetting to take out the IV catheter when a pet goes home. Forgetting to take yeah. out the IV. Have you really? Has somebody? Oh, yeah. That happens. Well, see, especially with a furry pet, um, because when we put an IV catheter in, we tape it in, and uh, we often put bandages over it to secure it. Um, but in a furry animal, it can get missed. Um, so, yeah. And at our office, we have different protocols. Uh, we actually have a timer that says uh, when that goes off is when the IV catheter is supposed to be removed. Um, some clinics only use a certain color bandage, so it's like bright pink. So it always gets noticed before the pet leaves. So you just have to find a strategy that works for your office. You know, I drove away from a gas pump once with without taking out the IV catheter. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was very messy. What about leaving the thermometer in? Have you ever left the no, thermometer in? No. This is, a, I mean, this is more of a large animal okay. issue. Um, and the, the thing with <laughs> large animals are we use, um, they actually, we have strings um, uh, that go to the end of the thermometer oh, so that they don't get sucked in. Yeah. Um, but in generally, in dogs and cats, we don't leave a thermometer in and walk away. Uh, we do hold it in place. Because a lot of times, honestly, a dog or cat will push and it comes right out so we keep pretty much keep our hands on the on the equipment for a dog or cat okay this anonymous vet also admits that she accidentally cut a patient while removing bandages yeah it can happen Uh, we do have specially made bandage scissors uh, where this doesn't happen um, as likely Um, but certainly older pets cats with really thin skin um, it certainly can happen so there's certain kind of tricky areas in the body we know to try to avoid like the little flank um, some certain areas around the armpits Um, so yeah we just try to tread carefully along those areas I would imagine you get a lot of poop samples coming in and out of the uh, labs there. And oh, yes. Do you ever mix yes. them up? Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes I mean, we could have at our office probably, I'd tell you about 40 samples a day of poo. So that's a lot of juice coming through yep. the door. Yeah. So, um, you know, the best things are for Wait, did you just that... say dookie? Yeah. <laughs> Is that okay? I'm sorry. I just wanted to confirm that's what I heard. Okay, go on. <laughs> Dogs do dookie. Okay. Um, so the best thing I usually do is I'll, if a client brings in their poop, I do request that they put their pet's name or their name on it in some fashion. But that's the biggest thing is making sure we get it in the container with the label on it so we know whose poo or whose dookie is it, it does belong to. 
what about under surgery, uh, under anesthesia when they're in surgery? Did you ever forget to like do a procedure or do something while they were under? Oh, yeah. Really? I mean, that can happen. Just can. in the course of a busy day, um, it's usually innocent, but um, many times we'll add things on during the conversation with a client. They'll say, oh, well, we're there. Could you take care of that little mass under his eyelid? It just kind of bothers me. And we'll be like, yeah, we'll take care of it. But then it doesn't actually get in our minds and on a piece of paper and it can get forgotten. So um, my recommendation is always have an estimate that has everything on there. And it's nice to know that your vet may throw things in for free, but if it's on the paper, it's more likely to know that it's going to get accomplished. Mm. A couple of other things this uh, anonymous vet confesses to is mislabeling the meds as well as the dreaded syringe malfunction. This is, Ugh. yeah. What is that? Yeah. Well, I mean, mislabeling med, meds, it, you know, that can happen. And there's definitely a lot of protocols, at least our state does require be, to make that not happen. Um, the, syringes can have, and I think the story she's covering is when a pet is being put to sleep. Okay. Um, it's, it's a thick solution. And um, if the syringe isn't tightly put together, it can actually kind of spray out oh. of the um, syringe. So um, that, that can happen. So generally, we, we try to make accommodations to make sure we always tighten the syringe and using an appropriate size catheter and needle so that it goes in. Um, it's not anything that hurts the pet, um, but, you know, it's very disturbing when you see, you know, any kind of syringe. It could be a vaccine, too, where it can just kind of squirt out of the syringe and end up all over your hands or on the pet. Um, so we just don't want that to happen. So Okay. Well, I salute this anonymous person, whoever you are he or she for bringing this information to your blog and hopefully preventing any of these things from happening to other veterinarians. Dookie happens. Do it does happen, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Des Moines resident Clarence Fenton was recently charged with driving under the influence of drugs. His dog's drugs. He's still not exactly sure what happened. Authorities say the phenobarbital that was in his bloodstream when he crashed into a utility pole with his car had been prescribed by a vet. 47-year-old Fenton said he took what he thought were the doctor-prescribed antidepressants when police reports show his car hit the pole. His blood work showed that Fenton had actually taken seizure control pills prescribed for his dog Saturn. This would be a good time to remind you to read the labels of any medication you're taking. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. My mom wants a grandson, so I gave her one. Kind of. <laughs> Meet Xander, a rescue dog who thinks he's a lion. Sometimes Xander gets messy when mom takes him for an adventure, and that's where the bark bath comes in. Specially designed nozzles get beneath the fur for a deep clean. It's faster than a traditional bath, which leaves time for the important things, like watching a sunset. The Bark Bath from Bissell. The faster, easier, less messy way to bathe your dog. Visit GetBarkBath.com to learn more. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Do you have pet insurance? Maybe not. Actually, only 1% of us have pet insurance, which is hard to believe because there's so many, so many companies trying to pitch pet insurance these yeah, days. Yeah, there are. I wouldn't even know where to start picking it if I needed to. 
Too many of them. I wouldn't either. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have Rob Jackson on this hour. It is this hour, right? Yeah, we're going to have Rob Jackson on this hour. He is the CEO and top dog at Healthy Paws Pet Insurance, and he tells me that every six seconds an owner is given a vet bill of more than $1,000. Say that again? Every six seconds. In the time That's that it nationwide, took me this, though. That is nationwide. Well, well, yeah. you, you seem offended by that. You seem like you seem taken back. Well, I think you know that if there were a thousand pets, and we're saying every six seconds, once somebody, <laughs> we're talking about all the pets in the whole United States. So I think that's. Uh, I don't want to say I'm getting defensive, but I, have but won I am. That lottery many because times. there's so many animals. <laughs> there are a lot of animals, and that's why, again, also the number less than one percent of our pet parents have the insurance because there are a lot of animals, more and more, and now. In this day and age, procedures are costing more because more and more procedures are available. Than with, like when we started in the business, you just had Band-Aids, right? That was pretty much it. <laughs> oh, but, golly. Uh, now, well, I think yeah. the level of care has definitely improved as we've had more technology. Veterinarians are, have more training and education than ever before. So you know, it's all at the fingertips, and unfortunately, there's a cost with that. We're going to find out about it coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. We're also going to do a check of the news at the bottom of the hour with Miss Lori Brooks. What do you have, Lori? Um, I'm going to tell you about a story where if maybe, say, you have a cat that turns up missing, then um, maybe you should look in the school kid's backpack. I always do. That's the first place I usually check. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not so far-fetched these days. We have so many animal-loving kids out there. We'll give you the details on it, but it's a very darling story. And it's toll-free, 1-866-405-8405, and we go to Marshall. Hi, Marshall. Hi, how are you doing today? Good, where are you? I'm in Reading, Pennsylvania. Oh, a couple of calls today from Reading. So what's, yeah. go- what's going on? I have the whole team here for you. Oh, that's tremendous. Okay, well, two things. The first thing is one of my cats likes to lick my fingers a lot. I understand that when I've been eating something salty like chips, but also uh-huh. he does it. When after I put on hand lotion, which I don't imagine is that good for them, so um, how serious is it? <laughs> well, you know, as a single exposure, it's not likely to be of damage unless there's a couple caveats. Um, unless it's a medicinal lotion, um, women that are on estrogen creams, obviously, there's definitely a, a direct uh, risk of estrogen-related issues with that. But this isn't unusual. Cats and dogs um, are attracted to. Th- to different components within lotions. Um, there's petroleum jellies that actually, you know, dogs would, if you put it on a spoon, they would tend to lick it and ingest it just because it has a taste. It has kind of like a flavor to it. So okay. um, long term, yeah, absolutely. Some of these things could potentially cause a problem. Um, and I think actually in the news um, today, we're discussing some concerns with different types of chemical compounds that are in everyday products that we use um, that can actually be related to problems in pets as well so um well as a general oils in there there's probably lanolin um i don't have the bottle in front of me it's it's a Mm -hmm. it's a name brand well eucerin is one of them i had oh sure yeah and uh, and there's actually not right Yeah, I wouldn't encourage that. Yeah, it's, well, it's kind of cute, you know, unless it's, you know, we're licking salt off your fingertips, any kind of lotions or things we're putting on our body, I really, I couldn't advocate that would be safe for your pet. Because, you know, even these things that we use, they are still, the chemicals that are being used in these are still under regulation by the FDA, and some of them are still monitored. They may not be banned, but they're known to potentially cause problems. So that could be things like parabens, formaldehydes, phthalates. Um, I personally have a skin. 
in con- yeah, these are in actually different kinds of cosmetics and consumer products that we apply to our I bodies. It's used to preserve our corpses from out It is. Isn't that creepy? But yes, and um, w- women who use nail polish, there's a lot of formaldehyde in those type of products oh, as well. So, yeah, so this is an area that we probably don't know as much as we'd like about and what kind of risk it has to animals. But um, I personally have um, a skin-related issue that I have to use shampoos and um, products that don't contain fragrance, don't contain parabens or lanolin. And it's just because of my health things. Um, but does that mean that these kind of components have triggered a problem in my body and they could in other people's bodies? But they just haven't been manifested yet. So that's kind of the big question. Um, but I many of these... The question I have is about foods. You hear these ads, uh-huh. so your animals, both dogs and cats, so your animals come from beasts in the wild. They should eat all protein, no grain. And that's what some, some pet foods are marketing. Uh, so what is your take on that? Well, cats are carnivores, so they need to eat meat. So there's never a cat that should be a vegetarian. Um, it is okay. contrary to their, their genetic makeup and how they digest food. Now, they can have some carbohydrates, but they really should have um, um, the mainstay of a, a carnivore diet. Dogs are a little bit, you know, you can kind of go a little bit both ways with them. Um, but the kitties, they really do need meat. Um, that doesn't mean that any grain is bad. Uh, I, I can't stand this kind of whole movement of, you know, grain-free is the way to go because I've seen pets on grain-free diets still develop health problems. Um, Uh But it's just kind of a a different philosophy. And the, the main thing I would tell you is that I always advise people to find what has proven to work for your pet. Um, I had a, a client that was using grain-free foods because it was supposedly the healthiest choice, but the dog had chronic diarrhea. It made no sense. So we finally made a strategy and a change that agreed with the dog's digestive system, and uh, it just didn't fit with her philosophy of what she was being sold by the television set. So <laughs> be skeptical. Okay, so in other words, um, well, in other words, you're saying if there is some grain in there, so I, I, I use a conventional brand name. Sure. Sure. Uh, it's uh, it's pro- for the cat can food. It's ProPlan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and uh, it- I I meant to check that list, but I I I opened it on my phone, but it was too complicated. I have to get to my computer. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I, and again, you know, grains are not all bad. Now, if a diet is solely made of grains for a dog or cat, I have a problem with that. Um, but uh, corn, um, different types of uh, quinoa, you know, all these other kinds of things, rice, potatoes, they're carbohydrates. There's still some good nutritional value, but we don't want that to be the mainstay of the diet. There has to be some other kind of meat source in there. So, yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's good you're, you're looking, but, um, you know, I wouldn't overthink it too much here. Oh, well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for your call. Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Volani right now. Hey, BJ. Hello. How you doing? Well, I just got unloaded and now I got to go get an oil change, but I got a question about my dog. Good, because I can't help you with the oil changes. I grew up in a garage family, but I know nothing about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it takes 12 gallons and costs a lot of money. I know that. Uh, (laughs) 12 gallons of oil? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know those trucks took that much. Yeah, 12 gallons. So what's going on with your animal? What's going on with your pet? Okay. I had Fuzzball out walking the other day. And he was smelling the ground and smelling the ground, and 
get hit like one spot and just stand there, smelling. And I got to wondering, I can drop something in front of him, and he just kind of looks off like da-da-da, there it is. I drop it in front of my wolf's nose, gone. Does he have the same, I know that they're supposed to have a certain amount of olfactories in their noses, so they got smellers. Uh-huh. But on, but on a brachiosphilic dog like this, I have a Boston terror rat. Okay. <laughs> he don't have a nose. Does he have as many smeller spots in his nose as that nine-inch nose on that wolf? Or does he get cut short, and that's why he can't smell things? <laughs> that's a great question. We do know that there's differences in the number of olfactory receptors in different breeds of dogs. Now, I probably would say, I can't tell you exactly the numbers, but we knew that what some of these different breeds were bred for and what they really developed for down the road, certain breeds, they may have longer snouts. They may have more surface area, and that may mean those are the dogs that perhaps are best for tracking, uh, for scenting. You know, when you look at a bloodhound um, or a German shepherd, you know, these dogs have very large, long noses with more surface area. So, you know, I probably have to look up some weird uh, factoids about how many receptors, but I would say it's fair to assume that they have more than some of the small breed dogs with the short little faces, the brachycephalics, as we call them, uh, because they just developmentally didn't have the need for that. They have the big bulgy eyes, the big gorgeous face, and you know that's kind of why they were bred to be close to a lot of the humans. Now we do know that cats um, have a much poorer sense of smell compared to dogs. And I can tell you that they have uh, the receptors, I believe, are in somewhere around the 20s, whereas um, some of the dogs, it's up to like 170 uh, centimeters squared. So this is something where we can say, hmm, dogs that definitely have a better sense of smell, and they have longer noses than cats do. Um, so we always would say, boy, what? Why don't the cats smell the stink of their own poop? <laughs> That's why. <laughs> and and I'd say also when we talk about smell and what dogs might smell better or have a better sense of smell, um, you know, there's more motivation for certain dogs. So if you have a tracker or a retriever who really wants to find that, uh, say, duck or find that retriever toy, they're going to know and they're going to be very motivated to use their sense of smell to the best of their advantage. Whereas some of the dogs that maybe don't have that drive, that motivation uh, to use that sense, you know, they, those receptors, who knows, developmentally, they're probably not going to use them. So down the road, decades and eons, um, there's going to be a difference in, the, in those uh, receptors. So if my answer is a little vague, it is, but I would say, yes, I believe your boy, your little fuzzball, probably doesn't have the same sense of smell. Good question, BJ. We thank you for your call today. one 405 8405 right now to talk to any one of the Dream Team, Dr. Debbie, Groomer Joey Volani, all right now at your beck and call. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405 In today's automotive news, Kia introduced a refreshed Sorento for 2018, starting at just under $26,000. This all-wheel drive family SUV comes with a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. The new Kia Sorento gets a refreshed look with a new front, new rear fascia, a Harman Kardon stereo system, and the inside gets quite a boost too. It's bred for adventure with a 2-liter turbo engine and drive mode select where you can choose how the vehicle handles. It has a beautiful panoramic sunroof and multiple power outlets in the back. For more, go to ourautoexpert.com. 
I'm Nick Miles. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Hey, this is Josh DeMel on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It is Animal Radio. And we are just moments away from talking to the CEO of Healthy Paws Pet Insurance, Rob Jackson. He tells me that one in three pets will need urgent vet care this year. Oof. And I'm thinking how many pets we have. That's, <laughs> you do the odds. It's uh, not good. But uh, he, he thinks insurance is the answer, as he should. And we'll be talking to him in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on? Well, you know, we heard all of the... Well, not all of, that's what I'm going to tell you, was the extra thing that we've just learned from United Airlines about another incident that they had on top of those horrible two that you probably already heard about. Man, that is one bad week. (laughs) I wouldn't want to be in marketing for United Airlines. (laughs) No. That would be a tough gig. Okay. And uh, are we ready to go to the phones? Can we do that now? Let's do that. Okay. Hi, Lynn. How are you doing? Lynn? Fine. Yes. Where are you calling from? Um, Florida, Mariana, Florida. Mariana, Florida. Which side of Florida is that on? Yeah, the Panhandle. The Panhandle. I like your accent there. <laughs> and your little laugh too. I like your southern laugh there too. I'm sorry, you probably called the doc, talked to the doc, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I have a question for her. She's right Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, I have a five-month-old, or yeah, four and a half, five-month-old Shih Tzu. And he likes to eat his poo. Yeah, lovely. Not not funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And then you have. And is that? Left. Oh yeah. And is that the only thing that he's kind of eaten abnormally? Yes. Um, I have purchased some pills that they told me to get for him. Someone okay. told me to get these. I think it's called Deter or something like that. And you. Uh-huh give it to him for two weeks and then he, he's off for two weeks but it doesn't work and somebody else yeah. told me about adolf meat tenderizer but i don't want to give him that because i don't it's full of sodium yeah and he's probably tender enough right <laughs> no he is tender he's very tender um so i don't know and i've also been told it's a a, a deficiency that they do it because they're deficient in something but I just need to figure it out and have him stop. Yeah. Now, you said he's a youngster then, right? Oh, yes. Okay. All righty. Well, this is a kind of an unfortunate behavior that a lot of dogs have, and it's we do see it primarily in puppies. So it's something that we can work through, and we can try to kind of train them out of that, but it does take some concerted efforts. And um, some of those products you mentioned are sometimes helpful. Um, and when you feed those either powder or tablets um, to the pet, it imparts a nasty taste to the stool, which, you know, is already kind of a crazy thing to imagine that poop tastes good in some way. Um, but they can be helpful um, as an adjunct to try to help this stop the stop this behavior. Um, but it does take some behavioral 
techniques as well. And one of the big things that I would tell you with a puppy is we want to supervise the potty time. Um, so we want to actually take the puppy outside, go have them do their business, praise them, reward them, oh, what a good doggy, and you know, lay it on heavy, and then use that as a very strong positive reinforcement. Then when the poop's there, you pick it up, it's out of there, it's not a reminder, we don't leave it out for long periods of time so they can have that opportunity. Um, no. It becomes hard if we let the doggy go outside and do it at will on his own because there's no way of actually monitoring what's going on there. Mm-hmm. No, and, and a lot of people kind of, and I don't know, maybe in your dog you've seen this where you try to correct them with the poop, and wh- what happens if you catch him in, in the act? Well, he, I'm a truck driver, so he usually runs into his crate, and sometimes he stashes it in there, so huh. I'm checking it multiple times a day. Um, he just kind of looks at me and like, what are you, you know, what are you talking about? This is mine. <laughs> Yeah, and And, and for some dogs it can become kind of a bit of a game um, where when we give the correction and tell them no or give that to me and we kind of chase them, it actually perpetuates that behavior and that makes it something fun that they've just got, you know, some attention over. So we want to make sure that you don't do that and rather when you catch them in the act, you actually want to give them something else to think about. So, you know, a squeaky doggy toy, something else that you have nearby where you can go, ooh, look at what I got and run the other way. And then hopefully we'll drop the poop and uh, he'll find something that's that more interesting. Well, we um, so that's really important. Immediately, as soon as he does it, we're very diligent about picking it up. But sometimes if like one of us is sleeping and the other one is driver, and, you know, you can't just stop in the middle of the road and pick it up. So no, we have to yeah. pull over, and by then, he's already created it. I mean, he's got it in his little cave, and he, you know, he's just so proud of it. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's yeah. Not and you did habit. mention some concerns. You mentioned some concerns with, um, like, a health problem. And in a young pup, I'd say we're probably not very likely that there's a, a health problem. But we would want to check a stool sample, make sure he doesn't have any kind of intestinal parasites. Um, for older pets that do this behavior, we look at nutritional problems or metabolic problems. But I'd say it's probably nothing medical. It's more just a, a training type thing we're just going to have to get through. And, and there's hope. So I, you know, keep up with some of those remedies over the counter and, um, you know, try some of those techniques. And I think we'll kind of get him past that and get him to focus on something else. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. one 405 8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Volani right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Joanne Worley on Animal Radio. Hello! And please spay and neuter your pets. Be a responsible pet owner. As a matter of fact, spay and neuter your friend's pets also. Give it to them as a present. What a good idea. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. Hey, everybody, this is Brett Michaels, and I just want to say you 
right now. Want to take, wait, give me the line again. My brain skipped. <laughs> Brett Michaels. And- I just had one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts. Oh, Go don't ahead. do that. Say don't that do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me. Go okay. ahead. Animal radio. Brett Michaels and animal radio. You got it. I knew the animal radio. Like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to animal radio and take care of your pets. They will rock your world. This is an animal radio news update. I'm Lori Brooks. Already under scrutiny about a French bulldog that died in an overhead bin and another dog being accidentally flown to Japan, United Airlines has acknowledged yet its third animal-related mistake in that same week earlier this month. This latest case we found out happened when a United flight was diverted to Akron, Ohio, after the airline realized, oh, no, A dog had been loaded onto that flight by mistake, but it was already in the air. So that plane was headed to St. Louis, Missouri, had 33 passengers on board. So what do you do when you're an airline that's had as bad of a week for pet disasters as United had that week? Well, you drop everything and you get that dog where it is supposed to be, forget the 33 passengers that were supposed to be on their way to St. Louis. You take those passengers along for an emergency drop-off of the dog in Ohio. Amazing, isn't it? That is amazing. The whole plane, everything for that dog. But you know how you probably know, and for those of you who haven't heard, it was on Tuesday of that same week this month, that a a 10-year-old German shepherd was flown to Japan when he was supposed to have gone to Kansas. But in his place, on that plane, was a Great Dane that was really supposed to be en route to Japan. Now, that's a mix-up. But just one day before that, all hysteria broke loose on the Internet because a French bulldog, we found out, had died on a United flight from Houston to New York after a flight attendant told the owners of the dog to put the dog, which was in a carrier, to put the dog up in the overhead bin. Although the airline now says that the attendant did not hear or understand that there really was a dog in the carrier. So in order to prevent another situation like that from happening, United says it will now issue bright colored tags, orange, I believe, like fluorescent colored tags, to customers who are traveling with in-cabin pets so that the, just the visual of that bright color will help flight attendants to identify pets in the passenger cabin. I think you're in serious trouble if you're hiring people who can't identify a cat or a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just go on record as saying that, okay? Uh, uh, by the uh, way, Google- United, this isn't a contest or anything like that. Just I wanted to mention that. But that that. was a horrible week. And I do have to commend United because, you know what, they had an awful week. But the third time, although it took a while to to get things straight, they did the right thing. They realized that this was a catastrophe to their image and that that dog needed to, you know, with 33 other passengers, that dog, number 34, needed to be where it was supposed to be. That is I do Uh, commend them for that. That is pretty cool that they did that. See, if yeah, I was a passenger, I, I would be okay with that. With uh, yeah. would be delayed. Maybe missing your flight or a connection or something because they were all compensated. They yeah, I would imagine the compensation yeah. was, but they were compensated. Mm. Google Street View usually only provides one point of view. You know, you see it on your phone or your laptop all the time. It's the human view or perspective as it would look if you were driving down the street or standing on the sidewalk looking at something. But now Google Japan has given users a sense of what a place looks like to a dog 
by attaching a small camera to a harness, and they're using three Akita dogs to give us this perspective. And ironically, the first city where they've done this in Japan is the birthplace of the Akita breed. And it does add a special touch, too, that you can see the dog's fluffy ears and their curly tail as you turn around to any spot. I it was heartwarming, I thought. <laughs> now, I think it is safe to say that there is definitely a big-time animal-loving student in Mrs. Guy Pell's fourth-grade class in Virginia. Because, you know, class was going on as normal one day this month. Then the teacher heard a meowing in the classroom, she thought. She took a quick look out the window. And she, you know, looked everywhere. And there's no cat out there. So what, what would you think then? Good. You'd think it was a ringtone, right? That's what I would think. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she went in search of the ringtone. Nope. Wasn't a student cell phone going off. Uh, the teacher finally located the sound, and it was coming from a backpack that had a jacket over it. And then she took the jacket off, unzipped the backpack, and out popped a gray and white cat. Oh. So if you're thinking that um, a student just loved their cat so much they wanted to bring it to school, mm-hmm. um, no. It turned out to be the neighbor's cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I love cats so much. I'm going to take my neighbor's cat to school with me," sure. said the ten-year-old. <laughs> I love it. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio news update. Get more at animalradio.com. Hi, Gay. How are you doing? Okay. Where are you calling from today? California. Where in California? Calamesa. Calamesa. Are you listening on Coast or XM? Coast. Listening on Coast. Very good. Thank you very much. You're on with Dr. Debbie. Well, hi, Gay. How are things going? Okay. Well, what can I do for you today? Um, I was wondering if you could tell me which is probably the healthiest uh, purebred dog you can get, uh, like a medium-sized. It's the biggest. Okay. I don't want a big, huge dog. My, I had a red chow, and she died two and a half years ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So currently you don't have any uh, dogs or other pets right now? I have a cat. Okay. So preferably you want to have a dog that's going to get along with the kitty. Well, I don't know if that's possible or not. She's a feral cat, and she's been with me inside the house since I've had her, you know, and the dog, the chow was outside dog. So she doesn't really know any other pet, so I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, there's a lot of things that we probably be wanting to know when you're looking for a pet. Um, Some of the personal uh, household things that go on, what kind of pet are you looking for other than a medium-sized pet? Um, Any kind of activities? Um, Do you like to go out and exercise with your dog, or do you want a pet that's just going to sit on? Well, I don't do a lot of exercise. I walk some, but I have a pacemaker in and so I don't can't really exercise a lot okay and uh, do you have a preference because another big thing we always um, counsel owners is that are we looking for a long-haired dog one that you're going to groom one that's uh, no, you take one to the that groomer doesn't and... have to be groomed okay one and that I just kind of shed okay well, females are definitely, I'd say, some very uh, good pets, um, especially if you're looking kind of at a single pet home. Um, and if you're looking for more of a quiet pet, th- there's a lot of different pets we could look at in different breeds. The trick is, and, and your question's kind of tough, because there isn't just one breed that we would look at. 
that is kind of a the best fit for for your situation or for everyone's situation it's always going to be a little different um, so there's a lot of breeds that have really good attributes um, as far as that are quiet that are you know smaller to medium dogs that have that kind of hair coat um, but I'd also encourage you, you know, it's, it's all about saving lives and adopting. So sometimes the purebred isn't always the way we go. Yeah. And, and I, I see love that Cocker the, Spaniels, but I know they have a lot of ear problems. Well, they can. And certainly Cocker Spaniels have, you know, the potential for ear problems, some skin problems, mm-hmm. um, definitely some allergies, some eye issues. But when we look at a lot of the different dog breeds, you could almost make that case for every breed. Really? Um, so if I pick a breed, um, you know, even like a Jack Russell Terrier, um, they have a lot of allergy problems. They're very high-energy dogs, so they can develop some anxiety problems inside the home if they're not exercised fully. Mm-hmm. So I could kind of go through every breed and find a couple things to counter that argument and say that that might not be the best breed. I think really... The biggest thing that I would encourage you to is to to find a pet with a personality that's best suited for you, and hopefully every everything else will come along with that package. But uh, to to go to the shelters and look for the smaller breed dogs that kind of fit the physical characteristics that you're looking for, and get to know that personality because if they have a you know that active personality, they want to go run and play and jump, and they're very athletic. That doesn't sound like that's going to be a good fit for you. Um, yeah, well, and the Heinz def- is usually healthier, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and the Heinz 57, the, the benefit of that is you still get a lot of the good breed qualities, mm-hmm. but it kind of gets the bad things get diluted out. So we run into less problems with inbreeding and where some of those genetic problems can be perpetuated by generation by generation. So I would definitely encourage you to look for that mixed breed that might just, you know, sparkle your eye and and uh, look like the the pet that's going to fit for your home yeah okay so i hope that helps some i um and uh, let us know if you do find a new friend we'd love to hear about that baby okay i'm not going to do anything i'm supposed to go on a cruise in september and i don't want to do anything until i get back from that because you oh, know yeah. you'd have that's... to leave it 12 days by itself Right, and it's always good to make sure you're fully prepared to, you know, take on that responsibility, whether it be the time commitments, uh, you know, just to have your life in the same spot where, you know, you can welcome a new pet into the home. So that's a very good decision. Yeah. Thanks for your call, Gay. We appreciate it. 1-866-405-8405. Send us pictures. We always love to see pictures of the new family members there. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. In today's automotive news, we spent a few days test driving the Kia Stinger on ice. With all the safety systems on, navigating an ice racetrack was simple, but take those safety systems off and you'll see why the engineers at Kia invented them in the first place. A Kia spokesperson told us that all-wheel drive will become a pillar of Kia in the future. Right now, Kia are known for their economical cars and a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. The new Stinger is turning heads, including mine. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. 
Every day you strive for faster, easier, and less messy. So wouldn't you want the same experience for your dog? Bissell understands the challenges of bathing your furry friend and the even bigger mess it can create. The Bissell Bark Bath is an all-in-one system for pet parents, eliminating the frustrations and messy cleanup that is inevitable when washing your four-legged family members. Bathing your dog is faster, easier, and less messy with the Bissell Bark Bath. Visit GetBarkBath.com to learn more. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, and about every other week we have the conversation about health insurance, pet health insurance, not human health insurance, but pet health insurance. Do you have insurance for your pet? Apparently, only 1% of pet owners have insurance for their pet. I thought it would be a little more if I was yeah, going to take a wild guess at after, that. It's been around for a few years. I would think it would be higher at this point. And all of us in the studio, we all have our different views on pet insurance. Dr. Debbie, you, uh, you've seen it save many, many lives. Oh, yeah. I've definitely seen it where, you know, if you can't afford um, uh, an extensive bill at um, any drop of the hat, um, it, it can certainly make that kind of care more affordable for you to, that you can then pay off, uh, you know, the remainder balance of it. Joining us on the phone, we have Rob Jackson. He's the CEO, Top Dog at Healthy Paws Pet Insurance. And they've had over a quarter million claims between 2016 and 2017. And they've wow. extrapolated the data and he has some interesting facts for us. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, having me. Of course. So now tell us, what are the primary reasons that we end up at the vet office? <laughs> well, you've got a range of things. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's any unexpected things. Uh, uh, the one thing about pets is they often they can't tell you what they just did. So, nope. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it's interesting because uh, the condition that is most often noted in the records is ADR. ADR. stands for ain't doing right. Ain't doing right. right. Ain't doing right. <laughs> did you know that? <laughs> Dr. Debbie, did you know that? Is that really for Oh, real? gosh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. It's kind of an unwritten uh, yeah, verbiage. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. yep. And, uh, and, and, and what happens is, uh, you know, uh, a pet parent looks at their pet, something's not going right, they're not eating, they're just not themselves, and you bring them in, and then, uh, you know, the, the vet has to start doing a whole bunch of rule-outs, a whole bunch of tests on that. And uh, these days, the great news is we've got so many different types of diagnostic tests that we, we can usually find out what's going on. But because the advances in veterinary care, we've got these things, they're more expensive now. And... Oftentimes, it, it may cost you 500 to $1,500 just to do the diagnostics, and, and we still haven't even started to treat the pet on it. So, um, you know, it could be uh, uh, eating different stuff uh, that they're not supposed to be eating. Uh, you know, they, they get into all sorts of things like that. So those are the things that, that are kind of unexpected. And then, of course, you've got the, the various diseases, you know, cancer and that type of thing that uh, do hit various breeds on it but you know the bottom line is pet parents those are the ones that buy pet health insurance pet owners really don't um and and i sort of define that as a pet parent is uh if you feel that your uh, four-legged friend is a a member of the family generally you're, you're going to be looking at making sure that you can always provide the best veterinary care to them 
you have in your research that one in three pets will need urgent vet care this year and that every six seconds an owner is given a vet bill of more than $1,000. So I go to Google and I, I Google pet insurance and there's a plethora of companies. Why is it less than 1% of pet parents in the United States have pet insurance? Um, there's 85 million households in the United States that have pets in them. And the, the, in, as of 2017, 1.8 million of those households actually have pet insurance on there. So it's starting to grow, but it's still a very, very small percentage. And, uh, but I do think we are starting to see a little bit of a, an upward climb on that as more people are really aware that pet health, ins- pet health insurance actually even exists. And people are finding out about it oftentimes at their work. Uh, it's starting to be a very popular voluntary benefit. Not that people are buying it a lot, but I think they're finding out that pet health insurance is actually an option. How do we pick it, and when is the best time to get it? Because I imagine there are certain breeds of animals that are predisposed to like hip dysplasia and leg problems. Is it better that we get the insurance before any of those set in, obviously, because uh, I would imagine pre-existing conditions don't uh, get paid off? That's a great question, and it is probably one of the most important things. Yeah, uh, pre-existing conditions are not covered by anybody. Obviously, and you know, otherwise people would just wait around and then go ahead and buy the insurance on it. So, um, the best time to get it is when your pet is in the starting gate of life. <laughs> uh, if if we can get that, uh, what you've really done is you've reduced the odds that uh, pre-existing conditions are going to uh, decrease your coverage. Um, and uh, e- even if you've got hereditary congenital conditions, uh, as long as the clinical symptoms are not present prior to enrollment, those are going to be covered down the road on it. So absolutely. Uh, and sometimes people say, oh, well, you know, uh, mine's just a puppy. I'll wait until it's three or four years old. I can tell you, and, uh, and Dr. David probably can confirm this, uh, puppies get into a heck of a lot. In fact, the frequency of claims just because they eat stuff uh, and they're, they're accidental. So uh, oftentimes you're, you're better off to, to get that, uh, that pup enrolled or that kitty enrolled right off the bat. We actually see a, a little bit of a reduction, you know, after year one and a half between uh, one and a half to age four. So, yeah, um, don't, don't play uh, roulette, pet insurance roulette on that. The best thing to do is go ahead and get it. And usually the premiums are a little bit lower when they are younger, too. But I have to say, I, I agree, and I think you should hedge the bet a little bit if you have dogs that you know that they, as puppies, tend to explore and ingest everything in their environment. <laughs> and I often advise people that have come in and yep. said, my dog chews on everything. I'm like, you know, you really ought to consider um, getting pet insurance uh, because, you yep. know, this Labrador later will, will prove to uh, test that. <laughs> Rob, we thank you for spending time with us today. Healthy Paws Pet Insurance. We'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. we got to get on out of here. If you need your fix during the week, visit us over at animalradio.pet or download the animal radio app for iphone android and blackberry and of course as i always say if you have a yorkshire terrier or a shih tzu pug or mini schnauzer check out dr debbie's ebooks how to be your dog's best friend available over at kindle have a great one bye 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 this is animal radio network